0: Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Good morning,
1: everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome in. Wow, what a difference uh, these digs are making. Jason Davis with you. Wow. Let me just turn myself down just a touch. I'm not sure how these levels are going to work out. Trevor Hayward can give me some signals here if you're watching on video You'll notice that we are in some different, uh, different digs here. Uh, moved to studio this weekend. So we're still getting adjusted. Lighting is weird. Sound is weird, but we're here. We're on the air and we get to talk about soccer for the next, uh, hour and a half or so. Big show for you today. It is a Monday. What does that mean? That means we review everything that happened on the weekend, including MLS, the premier league, some other things around the world. We've got some interesting news in terms of player acquisitions. In the United States, we've got a report out of England about uh, the special one. So we're going to touch on all of that today. Charlie Bohm from USSoccerPlayers.com, SoccerWire.com, MLSSoccer.com will join us to talk about everything that happened in the MLS weekend and perhaps touch on the roster. That's the thing I left out of the news there. The U.S. Men's National Team roster is out for the set of qualifiers against Guatemala that come up in about four days. First one's in four days. That's pretty quick. Uh, so Jurgen Klinsman, some work to do as he calls in his team. Let's go ahead and hit the news, set this stage for Charlie Bohm, The U.S. men's national team roster includes Clint Dempsey and Alejandro Bedoya. They returned to the team uh, for the first time since October. Obviously, they were left off of that uh, January camp. Uh, you also have Josie Altsdor in this team. Despite his injury, he made a comeback and played on the weekend for TFC in Kansas City. They're going to evaluate him in the camp. Also to be evaluated in the camp, Fabian Johnson. Fabian Johnson included in this team despite the fact that he injured his groin on Friday. So uh, Clinton wants to get a look at uh, Fabian Johnson, which is pretty interesting. You've got John Brooks and DeAndre Yedlin in the senior squad to face Guatemala despite the fact that they are both eligible for the United States U23s who have to go and play Colombia over two legs with a chance to go to the Olympics on the line. The United States has a 21-game unbeaten streak against Guatemala. Now, uh, Klinsman did call in a larger-than-needed squad. He can only dress 23, obviously, but he called in 26, partly due to, I imagine, evaluation ahead of the uh, Copa America Centenario uh team that has to come up this summer as well. Uh, Edgar Castillo back in this team for the first time since 2014, uh, so that's an interesting call up. Tim Howard, who is in this roster, uh, will be moving to the Colorado Rapids this summer. That long rumored move was confirmed this weekend. He was in the United States. He was in D.C. as a matter of fact to uh, to meet his new teammates uh, who he who, who, who he will be joining at the end of the Premier League season. The Rapids reportedly have agreed to pay a transfer fee in the mid six figures. I saw one number from from Jeff Carlisle. I saw a slightly different number from Grant Wall. It's probably in the mix there somewhere in between, perhaps. Uh, Also, salary wise, Tim Howard set to get north of two million dollars. From the Colorado Rapids. Uh, what, one of the more interesting things is, um, the story of Zach McMath, a player who, uh, had to fight for a chance to get a starting gig in Colorado after he basically got pushed out of Philadelphia. There's an interesting story, um, over at gold.com by our friend Seth Vertelny, uh, in which he got some, some pretty interesting quotes from Mr. McMath about having to start over again, uh, as he looks to get, to get better. Because again, it's, uh, I'm not sure that Zach McMath is the best goalkeeper in MLS by any stretch or if, if he's even good enough to lead the Colorado Rapids to where they want to go. But this has got to be a, this is a bad beat for the 24 year old who has proven to be something of a capable, capable starter. And the first thought is a disappointment, McMath said, because obviously that means they aren't, they aren't seeing me as the goalkeeper in the foreseeable future. He said some nice things about Tim Howard, but ultimately you you have to feel for the kid. Uh, who gets pushed aside once again. Premier League weekend. Now we're all watching the results in the Premier League. Obviously, because of Leicester City, can they maintain their, their lead and win an, an improbable Premier League title? They did win on Sunday. I'm sorry. On Saturday, one nothing win over, um, over Crystal Palace, uh, in the Premier League that puts the, that put them temporarily eight points up. Now, uh, Tottenham did win yesterday three nothing um in their match in order to keep the 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 gap to uh to three points i'm sorry five points in the premier league title race so uh tottenham Hotspur, three nothing winners over bournemouth Uh, i believe um uh i i believe what names just going out of my head harry kane there it is uh first player to score 20 goals in the premier league in 2015 2016 so uh, that's your premier league at race you had also had the uh Tineware Derby, in which uh, Jermaine Defoe uh, and Alexander Mitrovic both scored. Mitrovic in the 83rd minute, and I believe he scored. Uh, he celebrated with the pitch invader. Uh, you got to go back and watch some of that video again. All right. So we also had uh, the Manchester Derby as well. One nothing win for Manchester United over Manchester City at the Etihad. Uh, not good for Manchester City. MLS results from the weekend. Going back to Friday, Kyle Laren scores again, so Orlando beats NYCFC at Yankee Stadium. Not good quality soccer, but a win for Orlando nonetheless. Columbus and Chicago played a goalless draw. New York, 4-3 winners over Houston. The first goals of the year for New York, two of those goals coming from Felipe Martins. Um, one of them, a fantastic free kick. It was a weekend of free kicks across MLS, as a matter of fact. You also had Will Bruin. Uh, scoring two more goals for Houston as uh, his hot start continues. Dallas 2-0 winners over Montreal. Didier Drogba did make his debut of for the season uh, for Montreal in the 70th minute as a substitute. Uh, but the impact come up short in uh, Frisco, Texas. Uh, Vancouver wins 2-1 over Seattle. Controversial win for the Whitecaps. Both of those goals coming on penalties. Both of them questionable, especially that first one. Uh, Christian Belanios going down um with a uh with what most people will tell you is a dive. Uh the uh subsequent penalty converted, and then Blas Perez earned himself a penalty as well off of uh oh, Chad Marshall tackle in the box and Seattle loses again zero for three on the year for the Seattle Sounders. Portland two, RSL two, a comeback draw for Portland. They were up two men. It was nine men for RSL after a couple of red cards, Fernando Adi doing the honors. For, um, for, uh, Portland, uh, to get that draw. LA three, San Jose, uh, one, uh, you had two goals from Giassi Zardis in that game, second half, uh, dominant for the LA Galaxy after they went up a man. Simon Dawkins red carded in the match. Philadelphia three, New England zero. Are the Union good? I don't know yet, but they won three nothing at home over New England, and probably it could have been more. DC United one one with Colorado again, Tim Howard. Uh, in the booth and meeting his teammates there. That's probably the most uh, notable thing from that game. Fabian Spindler, uh, uh sorry, salvaging the draw for DC after a uh, Mick, Zach McMath made a mess of <laughs> um, of a ball in the air. Sa- uh, Sporting Kansas City one nothing winners over Toronto. Toronto with a bunch of shots but just could not convert. Jose Mourinho reportedly has signed. And this is from El Pais in Spain. Although every outlet has now picked it up and put it on El Pais. Has reportedly signed a pre-contract agreement to join Manchester United. Uh, he could make as much as 15 million pounds in compensation if he is not appointed by the club by June 1st. So, very interesting um, situation here. If this is true, he signed a contract. If they don't sign him by a certain date, he gets five million pounds. If they don't sign him by May 1st, or sorry, June 1st, then he gets another 10 million pounds. Um, May is the key because it's the month in which the vast majority of the signings of the players are closed and the plans for uh, formed. This is. Uh, from the report at El Pais. Uh, El Pais claims that the cause co- is being included because senior figures at Old Trafford, including Sir Alex Ferguson and Sir Bobby Charlton, are not entirely convinced that Mourinho is the right man to succeed Louis Van Hall. So we will watch this to see if it is legitimate, uh, but is Jose Mourinho headed to Manchester United? Let's take a break. When we come back, Charlie Baum will join us. Um, his first appearance on the show since we moved to the new digs, because that's just how it works. We will talk MLS, maybe some U.S. men's national team as well. It's Soccer Morning. com.
0: Welcome to Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis.
1: All right, it's Monday. You know what that means. That means we grab our friend Charlie Bone from uh, several different outlets. Talk about MLS. It also happens that we have a U.S. men's national team roster uh, to review as well with a couple of games coming up against Guatemala in World Cup qualifying. Perhaps we'll do some of that. Let's start uh, with MLS. Hi, Charlie. Sorry. Hi. Good morning, Jason. Good morning, sir. It's a a bright, sunny morning where we are in the world and... uh, Tish. Makes you uh, makes you want to uh, talk some soccer. All right, that's, <laughs> that's so cheesy. Let's dive. Um, let's let's dive into the MLS weekend. Um, I I, I tend to go uh, or uh sorry uh chron- chronologically here because it's the simplest way for me to do it. But I'm not sure that that's the best way because what we saw on Friday night. I mean, Charlie, look. NYCFC did a wonderful job capturing something in New York City when it comes to soccer. They've got some stars on that team. There's there's actually some young talent that's interesting to to see. And I'm not talking about Poku necessarily, but every time there's a game at Yankee Stadium and they put it on national television, I want to bash my head through a wall. It's not good soccer.
2: Well, I don't know. <laughs> I could probably offer a, a contrasting approach here. Yeah, it's not it's not ideal. Everybody knows this. Um. Everybody also knows that the whole concept behind this club is to be in the five boroughs, so you know they want to be in the five boroughs. That's their raison d'être. Uh, they also want to, you know, have all the um, accessibility and um, you know a, a venue with a little bit of distinction to it and a major league type of ben- venue. So I get all that. Um, right now, the the best option they've got is Yankee Stadium. Uh, we could certainly debate for an hour or two about whether there are pl- other places where they could uh, have a more sp- soccer specific environment. Um, but I, I actually think that the caterwauling about the small pitch at, uh, Yankee Stadium is a little bit overdone. And as with so many other things with NYCFC, um, inevitably it's hard to discuss the issue on its merits alone because everybody has an opinion one way or another about that club. So, okay. all right. Fair um, I, I, I actually will say that, um, you know, we've seen other clubs in the past have, have kept their field artificially small and got a little stick for it, um, but maybe not as much as they deserved. I'm thinking primarily of Portland here, but I think it may yeah. have happened in Houston as well. Oh, we did. Yeah, it did. Um, it, you know, hey, this is part of the game. This is why soccer um, has more laissez-faire approach here, I think, is that w- we see uh, – um, Expressions of culture, expressions of, of local identity and, and gamesmanship as well. So, you know, NYC is actually putting out a, a a lineup right now that is kind of catered to the small dimensions of their field. So if they can, um, you know, meet FIFA requirements and MLS requirements and then maybe create a little home field advantage for them, for themselves. Um, I think that's part of the game.
1: Okay. All right. So I will stop my caterwauling, as you said. Uh let's just, okay, let's just talk <laughs> I, about that. I get this.
2: it. I get the purest perspective. I totally understand. But um but this is part of you know, this is uh it actually reminds me a little bit of all the talk about turf with the women's national team. Okay. You know, it's tough uh sometimes. You don't you never want to put players at risk health wise and safety wise, but um I, you know, I could actually relate to playing on uh artificial surfaces in some cases if you're taking the game to new places and trying to do something uh something useful there so that's kind mm. of my my more nuanced approach to that okay I guess. all
1: right fair enough um when it comes to the game <laughs> itself uh you know kyle aaron scores what i mean he's in the right place at the right time I mean, i'm not sure i'm gonna give him a whole lot of credit for what happened on that on that particular sequence meanwhile nycfc comes up uh, a little short on the attacking end any any insight there
2: well they, they had they had dominance of possession they they had um You know, really a a dense passing map that showed they, NYC has a philosophy now. They, they, they're, they, they know what they're being asked to do and they actually are executing it relatively well. They put out that funky WM, um, 361 slash 343, depending on your perspective formation. And it's working. You know, it's just that they were, they were poor in the final third. They didn't finish well and they, they gave, uh, Laren a little bit of a gift. Um, and you know, right now he's, He's the hottest striker in the league. He's probably the hottest striker in North America, um, and he's in the right place at the right time to to, to let a misplayed cross uh, hit him in the chest and go in. So, yeah. um, I, I give him credit for for his his instincts, uh, his movement, everything is really on point for Laren right okay. now. Okay. And,
1: and the last thing, before we move on from that game, uh, any thought as to whether Kyle Laren is is um, potentially going to be leaving MLS anytime soon? <laughs> I mean, I saw some of that on Twitter.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't know that it's going to happen soon. I imagine there'll be a lot of talk about him in the summer window. Uh, I got to talk to, to Adrian Heath, their coach about this a little bit at the draft back in January. And he said, look, we don't expect him to finish his career with us. We, you know, we're not ready to sell him yet. Um, but when we do sell him effectively, he said, we'll do it at, you know, when he, when he's ready and when we get the best offer. Mm. So I think they're going to the, try and nurture him and, uh, you know create an, a mutually beneficial situation for him him and the club and and yeah that could happen this summer very easily especially yeah. if he does well uh in, in in a Canada uniform also
1: There were some reports that that uh, at least one Mexican club may have been interested in Laren this past winter so uh, if he keeps scoring goals the way he is then the the summer will be pretty Uh, pretty heated for Kyle Laren and his potential move. All right, uh, let's go. Let's let's talk about you know there's a there's the next game on my list here. Provided us with no goals. I don't want to talk. I want to talk about a game that at least had goals. And I'll I'll touch on the most controversial game of the weekend, Vancouver's win in Seattle. Uh, both of those penalties called by Mark Mark Geiger are bringing a lot of um uh, a a lot of upset on the part of the Seattle Sounders fans. Uh, from what I from what I saw, Charlie, the first one is definitely not a penalty. Uh, the second one uh you know that's that's more of a 50 50 call in my mind but how uh, angry should seattle fans be right now with also the, con- the you know the consideration that their team probably had some chances to to do you know to take that game and didn't
2: yeah it's, it's totally understandable and it's not just the penalty call in you know, that first one the i had the uh, tsn the canadian feed uh, uh which is it you know I think of that as a national Canadian broadcast, so whether or not you want to consider it a Vancouver Homer broadcast, it doesn't necessarily come across that way. But they had a camera angle that, where Jason DeVos, their analyst, felt that earlier in the frames, earlier in the process, uh, maybe a, a couple of steps before he hits the, uh, the deck or maybe two steps back, um, he thought he saw contact between uh, Bolaños' foot and Jovan Jones' knee. Um. So, so there's certainly a a school of thought out there that there was some kind of contact. Uh, it certainly is. It, <laughs> you have to dig and really look at the footage carefully. Um, but I I I can't you know make too many uh, uh, blame too many Seattle fans for being really frustrated. It's a bad decision, and more than anything, Geiger had a bad night. I mean, he just wasn't good in either direction. The the, the players were all on both sides, frustrated, confused. Um, just didn't run a good game in terms of the standard he set and the consistency and whatnot. Um, the second penalty is also getting um, you know frustrated. I think that the frustrations with that one are a, a summation of the anger about the first call in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I saw a really bad decision by Chad Marshall in going to ground against a very clever, um, cunning player in Blas Perez who is not going to run past <laughs> Chad Marshall. Um, and then, you know, at the, down at the other end, a few minutes before the end, Clint Dempsey has a wide open look with the goal at his mercy on his preferred foot from about 12 yards out and misses the target. So, um, you know, that's to me, that's just as much of a source of frustration as the refereeing from a Sounders perspective. You know, they they were creating chances. Vancouver were very reactive. They allowed Seattle to dictate the tempo and, and Seattle couldn't punish them around goal. Uh, it's, I
1: mean, how much panic should there be in, in Seattle? That's three games, three losses.
2: Yeah. Uh, and, and they're the last team in the league that has yet to garner a point. But, um, this all comes back to one, uh, to, to one ratio, right? 12 out of 20. 12 out of 20. And, and I think, um, Sounders fans will be reminding themselves of that over the next week or two. Probably, it's probably going to be a rough week for the fans because, uh, they're not playing during the international break. They, they're back in action on the 2nd of April. So they got two weeks to stew on this. Um, I do think that that gives Siggy Schmidt an opportunity to revisit some of the tactical decisions he made in the offseason. You know, they moved to a 4-3-3 in large part, um, to, to fit the strikers that they had on the field. And, but it was, Oba Femi Martins was still in the frame there. You know, Valdez is a decent enough number nine, but right now, Jordan Morris and, and to a lesser extent, Dempsey don't look particularly comfortable. And I don't think that they're, uh, I, I think they may, we may see them, you know, try out some, some new stuff and reconsider some things. But I will, I will say, uh, Ozzie Alonso is maybe the best midfielder in the league right now. Even in a losing effort, he was absolutely outstanding against Vancouver. And he's doing things that he wasn't doing a few years ago, even because he's, he has a level of comfort on the ball, he has a level of vision and confidence. Um, that is um, really, really impressive, so um, so that bodes well for the sounders game that delivered the
1: most goals in new York four Houston three Houston continues to be entertaining they they fall in new york and the and the Red Bulls get their first well four goals of the year felipe martin 's the hero there
2: yeah, what a wild one uh, this really for long periods in this game, it looked like um, no doubt that that Houston would would at least take a point at the very least and probably take all three so um Really amazing to have a lot, a lot go, broke against the Red Bulls in that game. They had three important players come out of the game with hamstring injuries, a couple of them lo- looking severe. I mean, Gideon Baugh, their, their showcase defensive signing, was in tears as he left the field. You know, So um, I, I think they may have – my my suspicion on first gloss at least, it, it, it's easy to to guess that um, they may have pushed things a little too hard in training after an 0-2 start. Um, but now they've got to figure out what they're going to do. They, they're very short on center backs. And, um, so Jesse Marsh may have to adapt a little bit there, but he's got to be pleased to see, um, after starting the game so poorly, um, just a really gritty response and, uh, and a, a, a few moments from Felipe yeah. where you see, uh, the real quality of a player and, and the, Determination of a player to put the team on his back uh, that was probably the most fun game of the weekend
1: yeah felipe sort of um you know a box to box guy but but capable technically of, of some pretty spectacular stuff and um, gave credit to Sasha Coles for letting him take that the free kick goal that ultimately proved to be the the winner um from a from a new york perspective uh any you know look they didn't have any goals coming into the game they finally get a they get four but any issue that it's clutched and Felipe and Grella and, and not Bradley Wright Phillips who got on the score sheet, or, or is that something that they can live with?
2: Yeah, I think so. Th- this is uh you know, Bradley Wright Phillips is a guy who, um, even on his bad days, he seems to to create a lot of chances and, and to score regularly. This is a, a very instinctive finisher and a, and a, a, a poacher type of player. So, um, so I think that is a little bit of a, of a, of a alarm for them. Um, and I, and I think too we we see the same issue to some extent that we saw in the playoffs with the Red Bulls, which is um how do they adapt? You know, the the, the word is out now; everybody knows what you're going to get against the Red Bulls. Teams are prepared with a, sort of their own alternatives tactically to try and blunt the the strengths of the Red Bulls. So now, what's Plan B? What's Plan C for this team? And I think that's certainly Bears watching because they they took steps to try and add more to their toolkit over the off season. Um, we'll, we'll see if Anatola Bong and, and guys like that are are kind of brought into a more prominent role to try and give some more variety to that squad. All right, let's
1: uh, let's stay in the East because uh, I think a lot of people will be surprised uh, not only by well, uh, we got Montreal; they won their first two. We'll, we'll get to them the, against FC Dallas and. Uh, the, the, the debut of Drogba. But I think the most surprising team probably so far is Philadelphia because, uh, while they lost an opening weekend to FC Dallas and, and no one was, uh, shocked by that, they went to Columbus and won and now they, they sort of, uh, run roughshod over New England. Now, I'm not sure about New England yet, Charlie, but you, you have to be impressed so far. She had just a pong on the, on the score sheet twice and, and they probably could have won that by a bigger score
2: line. Yeah. Uh, two, I believe it was two penalty kicks were saved in this match. By Bobby Shuttleworth, um, is somewhat disappointing to see New England lay an egg to that extent, but they're still one of those teams that um, you don't necessarily know what you're going to get from them week in week out at this stage. Um, but Philly are, you know, they they're trying to turn a new page. Um, they're trying to, um, you know, they've got a new a new president there. I guess he's a new director of soccer and Ernie Stewart. Some very savvy offseason moves were made. And they seem to be coming up trumps. Um, and, and there's a human element also to this start of theirs, which is, you know, CJ Sapong, a guy who's had a lot of ups and downs in his relatively short pro career, um, was entrusted, you know, was very vocally and very publicly made the, the, the spearhead of their attack. He was re-signed. They kept faith with him even after a, an issue of substance abuse. Um, mm-hmm. They've, they've entrusted their, you know, their faith in him and he is clearly motivated to, to justify that and to respond. And it's, uh, it's working out so far. You know, he's just really such a handful. And as he gets more minutes on a regular basis, he's, he, his, the tactic or the technical abilities, um, the little touches, the, the movements, the decisions are getting more clinical and more, um, more dependable, I guess, and and it's it reflects really well for their attack because they've got a lot of guys that can play off of a sort of a signpost guy like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to watch a guy who. You know, one, well, he won rookie of the year, correct? I believe he did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah that's correct. Uh, scored, uh, I think scored, you know, something like five goals in his first, uh, his first MLS campaign, which, you know, back, back when CJ Sabong broke into, to MLS was, was a fairly good number for a rookie. Now Kyle Aaron's blowing it out of the water, but still. <laughs> yeah. And, and, at the, but at the time, Charlie, he was very much a, 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 when I say project player, I mean that everybody knew he had physical gifts. It, it was a lot, like a lot of kids who come out of college, a question of the technical side and the understanding of, of where to be and how to get there. Um, mm-hmm. and, and you've seen,
2: I mean, again, you've seen him progress in those areas. I have, I have. You know, he, he, when he was in Kansas City, um he was sort of uh a little bit maybe comparable in some ways to to Abong who we just mentioned earlier with New York he wasn't necessarily a, a 90 minutes guy week in week out you know he was competing for for minutes he um uh, was maybe coming off the bench and you know he just he he was not necessarily the the one that they were building around and so now in Philly they've made that conscious decision and and you know some players it's 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 a frustrating element of the scene here where there's still guys who are needing the rough edges of their game to be to be um sanded down with match minutes even well into their 20s that's that there's certainly problems with that developmentally but um but you can see you can see it work um he's someone who is um he's benefiting from both the the, the emotional and just the the physical elemental aspects of of regular playing time and uh, I think there's a, a number of examples of players around the league where you can see that, and, and when guys like Wando make these sort of um, late um, renaissances in their in their careers, relatively speaking, it's uh, it's that kind of factor. Mm,
1: there you go. So CJ Sapong uh, carrying the load for Philadelphia. Their win three one three nothing over New England. All right, let's uh, let's come to well, okay, let, let's come to Montreal uh, in uh, in Dallas. Actually, Dallas off of a disgustingly horrible performance against Houston, but. I guess what we learned is, and and this is what everybody was telling me, is that every now and then FC Dallas is good for one of those complete uh, shockers, but they'll they'll always bounce back. They have the uh, the quality to do so. That certainly seemed to be the case against Montreal.
2: Yes, yes, and uh, I think it helps when you have, um, you know, I believe their record now at home since the beginning of last year is something like fifteen two and two. Um, They're really they're generally quite strong at home. Um, and they, they finally figured out a way to get Mauro Diaz free, um, have him create a bit more danger. And then, you know, he's, he was, some of the service that he had maybe, um, wasn't finished off, uh, um, in, in, Houston is now getting, getting, was, was handled better against Montreal. Um, uh, you know, m- maybe you could question whether a player like Marco Donadel, uh, or some of the other, you know, some of uh, a little bit more of a, a harder edge player like that might have, uh, you know, made more of a difference uh, against him. Uh, the way that, you know, Houston's, um, twin holding midfielders were able to kind of, um, kind of grind on him a little bit in, in that game. But, um, but certainly he, you know, great free kick goal and then just sort of wearing down Montreal who have had, you know, a lot of travel now and, mm. and have flown a lot of miles already at this early stage in the season. So, um, you know, they, they were right there, I guess, in it, um, as the second half kind of w- unfolded. And, and we thought maybe Drogba would come in and be the impact guy, but he, uh, he was outshined in this case, um, by, by the FC Dallas collective. And, uh, I'm sure they'll be glad to see, uh, Arruti starting to come into his own up top. Um, and the, you know, the movements out wide, the defending was much better on Dallas's part. Also, I think they're finally starting to, to smooth out some of the issues they had with bringing new guys into the back four.
1: All right, so FC Dallas looking like the team we expected them to be. Montreal taking a bit of a step back, but I think they'll still be uh, a major force in the Eastern Conference. Let's go, to, uh, let's go to Portland where the Timbers come back and get two from Fernando Adi, who only scores braces, to, uh, to draw with RSL, who was down to nine men. That was uh, a wild one as well.
2: And they could have easily finished with eight. There was a horror challenge on Darlington Nagby in the dying minutes that um, I think it was Burrito Martinez um, took a good chunk out of uh, out of nagby you know a, a, a probably a, quite easily a red card in a lot of cases if it hadn't already been uh, a red card fest uh, you know something about those nights in portland man there's sometimes when things just weird stuff happens with all that energy they got at, at providence park um, you know salt lake was up two nil in this match and and in that regard maybe should feel um let down to to come away with only a point but uh, given what happened early red for Beckerman, who we all know is such a talisman for them. Um, it's funny, you know, this question of, is Real Salt like a dirty team? And they, you know, uh, Jeff Kassar, their coach, maintained pretty steadfastly that they're not, that, that you know, the, they've had a, a preponderance of ejections already in their season, and he doesn't think it reflects, well, you know, the who that team truly is. But it's interesting to consider whether this is um, sort of a new angle to this team that was for so long, you know, they were the... Uh, they were the clean cut aesthetes uh, of uh, of MLs and now I think maybe there's a little bit of a, a culture change there in in, in real they're they 're ready to grind and um, on balance, I think they'll feel good about this result uh, in a, in a week or two but um, but interesting to watch there and we'll have to see how that kind of character develops uh, but again, and, you know Portland, who are missing a you know very prominent player in Ridgewell in the back, mm-hmm. um, you know making some defensive gas. Uh, you know, probably have to give them some credit. I think for just being a a champion team that's figuring out ways to salvage results.
1: Yeah, something about yeah, as you said, something about the the the, these two teams in Portland always throws up something interesting. Um, two factoids about the red cards. I'm I'm pretty sure. So that was that was Kyle Beckerman's first red card since 2012. Uh, and he's also for people who don't know, uh, he has committed the most fouls in MLS history um so not a not a guy who picks up red cards despite the number of fouls he commits he's he's an efficient
2: fouler. he is
1: and everybody knows that uh what Kyle Beckerman typically you know what he's capable of when it comes to fouling is that that technical or that professional foul I guess we want to call it that uh kind of like uh, his calling card um not that he can't get stuck in too but how many times have you seen Kyle Beckerman just spin a guy off the ball when there's a counter happening um, the other one, Hamison, La- uh, Hamison I believe that was he's got a he tied the record for most red cards in MLS history. Is that right? With with Clint Mathis, I think I saw that this morning, Charlie.
2: I, I believe so. If I remember right, I think he's up to ten now on his career. <laughs> so there you go. There, you, there uh, one yeah. guy,
1: one guy who fouls and never gets red cards, and the other guy gets red cards all the time. So there you go. Um, all right. So that's uh, RSL and Portland. Let's move on to. Um, let's move on to LA. 3-1 winners, uh, in the California Classic over San Jose. Jossie's artist scoring twice. Of course, this comes, mi amid- Steven Gerrard's injured, but also, uh, it took, uh, San Jose going down a man for, for LA to really, uh, impose their will on San Jose.
2: Yeah. You know, we, <laughs> LA have some, have some issues even still. This is a, an important result for them. I think beyond just the, the rivalry, this state rivalry. Um, you know, they've had a lot of jitters and there's, there's a lot of sort of incongruous pieces that Bruce arena has to make work. And it hasn't always been, uh, been pretty for them, even when they're getting results this season. Um, st- you know, Steven Gerrard, I mean, I don't want to pile on the guy. He's had a, he's had a rough spring and he had a, he had a rough summer and fall last year too. He's also um, Steven
1: Gerrard has a lot of money and he's a very famous and sorry, Charlie guy.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, it's a, he's well remunerated for, for his struggles. Um, but just just wondering why um, I still just wonder why this signing was made. You know, did, did you know with LA um, with money comes problems, right? And and uh, it still seems like the um, the signings, the designated player signings, have commercial elements to them. Um, you know, Bruce Arena is powerful enough and and uh, um, smart enough, I think, to where they're not gonna you know ignore tactical uh, you know and, and squad repercussions to to signings but right now it's hard to see how they thought all these pieces would fit together and they're they're better without your art mm-hmm. much the way i would say nyc fc friend at the time being are better without lampard um and that's you know how long can you go with that situation um it's it's a little bit reminiscent of rafa marquez in in new york where um you wonder how many just how many jerseys you have to sell to make this worth your while well and we we,
1: jar- we go back charlie to the to the to, to when this signing was announced and and the first thing you know the, in comparison to the lampard signing the lampard signing you kind of went oh that's nycfc they're trying to make a splash they have tons of money you really you you knew who was calling the shots there it was the people the marketing people or or maybe even mansoor himself who wanted to to make a, bi- a big splash in, in new york when it came to LA the thing that had everybody scratching their heads is that Bruce Arena is part of that brain trust and why on earth would Bruce Arena sign on to Steven Gerrard when we kind of foresaw all of these problems I mean that that's the thing and I don't think it's Chris Klein and so
2: so who are we talking about is is Uncle Uncle Phil making the calls I don't think so I don't think so I think he trusts his guys um, to do the right thing, but, uh, you know, to do the job that they're, that they are paid for. Um, you know, I don't know. I think when you have a player coming from a, a, a higher level league to MLS, there's always a, a, a rough, uh, back of the napkin sort of calculus that you, that you have to make, um, in terms of, you know, how is this, how is this player going to, um, going to fit in, right? And how, how will they adjust? What will life be like for them in a league that's, you know, clearly across the board is of, is of lower quality overall, but is different. And, and Gerard is a player who isn't adapting well. His skills at this stage in his career don't seem well adapted to MLS. Whereas you look at a player like Via, you know, Via is, is, is clearly, you know, older and maybe a step slower than he was in his prime, but he is, he is adapting very well to MLS and he's still a very, very effective player. Mm-hmm. Um, even Pirlo, you know, is finding a way uh, and his club is helping him find a way to disguise his Well, then that's the thing. Like, yeah, yeah. That, that
1: to me, first thing that comes to mind when you talk about V is, okay, well, he's playing a different position. I mean, he could Wando this thing for five or six more years, um, because he's that good of a finisher and he, he, he understands, uh, he understands, you know, how to make the runs that are going to get him goals, but, you know when you ask Steven Gerrard to cover the ground Steven Gerrard used to cover and expect that to happen and it's just not going to happen so can, can they can they find a way a la New York with Pirlo to make it somewhat effective but then again LA's got a higher bar than NYCFC does
2: yeah uh, yes that's true um but i think they're again you know the, the 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 coaches have the role of of maximizing the strengths and hiding the weaknesses as best they can to me, Gerrard at this point has to be a second striker. Um, the way you see Giovinco given you know maximum freedom and minimum responsibilities, because even when he had the legs, Gerrard's positional discipline was was widely questioned down the stretch of his Liverpool career. You know because he's not necessarily he's you know the all-action guy who wants to get around the ball and and go where his instincts take him, and, and that left his his uh, back line and his defensive midfielders exposed at Liverpool regularly, and now it's doing it here. But if you're going to play, you know, Gerard is the second striker. Um, who's ahead of him? How does yeah. that really work with Keane? Where does Geo fit into that? Um, you know, can Dijon c- cover enough, uh, ground to give him that kind of freedom? I, I don't, I just don't know how the parts are working right now. Yeah. And, and he, he needs runners ahead of him also, um, that he can pick out with those, uh, Sharp passes and the, the, the accuracy from distance. So, um, it doesn't seem like this squad is necessarily, um, you know, catering to, to what Gerard is bringing to the table so, at no. this stage.
1: All right. So that's LA 3-1 winners over set. You would think that they had lost the way we're talking about them, but no, that they, they won. <laughs> Gio- artist again, two goals heading into national team camp. Uh, I think the the there are a couple of games I have not touched on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave Chicago and Columbus. I think there's some interesting stuff there with Columbus right now. But we're Let's gonna, not
2: encourage these zero zero draws. We're
1: going yeah, to run out of time. Um, DC, Colorado, again, the, the, the big news in DC was that, that, was that Tim Howard was in the house and he, he met his teammates and blah, 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 blah. Um, I feel for Zach McMath. I mean, I don't think that Tim Howard's, um, uh, presence had anything to do with that gaffe that ultimately cost Colorado three road points, but yeah, that's not a good look.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, McMath had been having a great game when you look at the stats on this game the shot chart um he was kept busy you know and he he patrolled his area pretty well um he looked like a very capable keeper a very he's having a very solid night and then uh, or afternoon and then one uh one blunder and it was almost immediately punished you know he just mishandles cross, uh sets off chaos in the box and fabio nespindola probably the guy you at least want you know getting on the end of that situation from uh from a Colorado perspective, is the one who uh, who's there to put it away. So, uh, yeah, I feel for McMath, and who knows to, to what degree he's maybe been unsettled by everything that's happening. But yeah. you do have to say, too, this is no surprise, right? The, the Howard reports have been going on for months now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling he's probably known about it for months now. So um, it, it's a really tough break for for McMath, and, and who knows if his lo- you know, medium to long-term future is still going to be in Colorado. Um, the the particularly I think it was Jeff Carlisle who wrote about this the particularly bitterly ironic twist to it is that he's he's been mentored by by Howard he's gone and spent uh, several off seasons training with Everton over the last few you know years and stayed if, if I remember right I think he stayed in Howard's house so this is his uh you know someone who's really been influential in his life and now the guy's. Coming home and taking his job. Taking
1: his job. Yeah. And making way more money than he is. Um, the other thing, uh, well, I, I, briefly just want to throw a comment on this. I think Colorado's better this year, Charlie. Obviously, we didn't see Gashi in this game because of the, uh, uh, the suspension for coming off the bench last week, which we all know is ridiculous. I'm not sure why there wasn't a little bit more, um, uh, you know, a little bit more leeway given for the, uh, for the circumstances there. But, uh, in general, yes or no, Colorado's better this year.
2: Yeah, of course they're better. Of course. There's no doubt about that. Are they um but now you get into the question of, you know, once you get yourself off, off up off the floor, expectations rise quickly and yeah. the small margins become more important very quickly. Um they've improved their talent across the board. Absolutely. They've done their best to make themselves more relevant in the market and get people talking about them both at home and around the league. Absolutely. Um can the plan, the project as Howard called it yesterday Pay off with with a playoff run with maybe you know something special this year in the near future, certainly, but they still now you know the, this only shines the light brighter on Pablo mostreini who 's a relatively inexperienced coach who 's made some some uh, confusing personnel and tactical decisions uh, in his time in charge of this club uh, so now he 's been given more resources, but that means more is expected of him and and yeah. uh, i 'm still not sure if he 's got the the formula you know right now Dylan powers. Who is, um, I think, um, you know, much more effective as a deep lying player, someone who can sit and dictate the tempo from deep, um, with switches of play. And, and he's kind of been shoehorned into this number 10 role in the hole, um, behind us alone striker. And he did well yesterday to adapt. Um, he got a, got a well taking goal, ventured into the box and, uh, uh, got on the end of a good service from Marco Papa. But he, uh, it's not clear that the, the central midfield, uh, troika there in, in Colorado really needs to be worked out because right now it, it's not making the best out of the, the guys they have. All
1: right. Uh, last game that we, uh, uh we have to touch on briefly is, uh, sporting Kansas City one nothing winners over Toronto. Obviously the, the big talking point, Brad Davis, uh, fouling his way to that goal. Um, I don't think there's any question about that. I think that's a, that's a, that's a missed call. And I, I imagine TFC should be pretty upset although again that you know have to flip this over and and say that that they did not create uh or they actually did create some chances they didn't put the ball away
2: yeah and you know it was a rough weekend for referees all around there were there were a lot of uh, guys in the middle who had a who who struggled or were, were confusing uh or inconsistent and um uh, i think it was toledo was in the middle in this uh casey toronto game um yeah the, you know Davis, the, the thing is, I mean, this is, I, I wish I could say this is new, right? At games in KC, um, you have a loud crowd that's right on top of the field there and you have a very physically oriented KC team. Um, even with Brad Davis being a newcomer, um, I think he's under, you know, the, everybody knows that you get a, a wild night like that at, at, uh, Children's Mercy Park it is incumbent on the referee to be maybe more active um than you would be in other spots because you have to you have to have a firm hand um because KC are always going to want to try and tilt the field in their direction by um by being physical um it, it, he, i didn't think he had a good handle on the game and um you know Brad Davis and KC end up being the beneficiaries of it in the end
1: all uh, right so uh, a big win for for Sporting Kansas City who stay perfect on the season again Toronto's on a eight game roads uh, uh road trip to start the season uh so uh, you know you know it's going to be tough for them but they've gotten some points out of this so far I'm sure they'll bounce back quickly All right uh,
2: before I let and, you know uh, and Josie Altador is is back he, he did. made a yes, appearance yeah. off the bench um, I, I don't imagine that the that the TFC rainforest are thrilled that he has been uh he's going to be carried around uh on the U.S. national team's uh, activities of the next uh, week or two here. But no. uh, but he is, and we'll, we'll see if he can make a smooth recovery from that hamstring.
1: Charlie, before I let you go, what do you make of this? I mean, the, we got the roster uh, for the Guatemala uh, qualifiers from Jurgen Klinsmann and U.S. soccer, and, and I don't think there's any major surprises on it. Edgar Castillo back for the first time since 2014, or, or he hasn't made an appearance since 2014. Um, but what do you make of the policy that Klinsmann seems to have of bringing in guys that are carrying knocks or carrying injuries, uh, Fabian Johnson specifically, less less so Josie Outdoor, who did come back and, and play on the weekend. But Fabian Johnson just hurt his groin, and it's this thing. Let's call him up and, and evaluate him, and et cetera, et cetera. Is that is that the best way to go for for Clinton? especially when you're considering that it's Guatemala? It's it's not like it's Mexico.
2: Well, those of us who are old enough to uh, to have been alive and sentient during the Cold War remember the old uh, uh, Reagan adage of uh, "trust but verify," right? When it comes to the <laughs> Soviet you. Union. And uh and coaches, um, you know, Jurgen Klinsman is no exception to this. Coaches are generally control freaks um who want to uh control every element that is within their grasp. And uh that's what I see here. You know, for all the um you know, the sunny smiles and the, the uh genial optimism, um Klinsman wants his staff to get their eyes and hands on on uh every player. They're not gonna take a club's word for it on a player's status. Um, you could certainly make the case that, that in some cases, this, um, sentences players to extra travel and, and the extra wear and tear that, that comes with that. But, uh, but this is sort of canny real politic, I think, in the world of club versus country relations. Same thing with Altidore. You know, pretty clear Altidore is not fully match fit. He, he, he's on this, you know, tenuous recovery road in an in injury that's been chronic for him. Uh, but they, they want him under their control, uh, for what the maximum period that that FIFA regulations allow for them Mm.
1: all right and and lastly um again any issues here with this roster anybody that's missing any concerns over again they haven't lost to Guatemala in 21 games and uh they obviously have a, a a situation with the U23 so Brooks and Yedlin being on the senior squad surprise
2: yeah, you yeah, know, Taylor Tomlinson mentioned this um in, in the broadcast of the the ESPN broadcast of DC Colorado yesterday. I I again totally understand the, the talking point here is, you know, World Cup qualification for the senior squad is the top priority. Totally get that, right? Yeah. Um but he is Clinsman he, uh, has made the decision to prioritize to the you know that over the olympic playoff to the point that i think it may um it's not giving the olympic squad the full resources at their disposal in terms of age eligible players you know would a player like yedlin benefit from uh you know help that team um there's a counter argument here in the sense of you know maybe you you don't disrupt um what the olympic team has done maybe you don't add you know parachute in guys who have spent most of the last year or two with the senior side but um it, it does suggest a little bit that klinsman doesn't quite trust his uh, his squad, even his reserves, against a very very beatable Guatemala yeah, program wow. at the moment, um, enough to to maybe uh, weaken his senior squad in order to help out the Olympians.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I, I want I want to see them make the Olympics, um, but at the same time, I, I guess clemson has got a responsibility to to keep his, strongest, uh, his side as strong as possible regardless of the competition Charlie Bohm, CBOEHM on Twitter, uh, joining us here on a Monday to review all of MLS and some national team thoughts as well. Charlie, uh, thank you for your time as always, appreciate it Likewise Jason, have a great show. So there goes uh, Charlie Bohm, we'll take a break, we'll come back, phone lines will be open on a Monday for you it's MLS, it's the national team, it's things happening in England, it's Lee Wynn hitting both posts on a free kick because I'm watching that over and over again it's Soccer Morning com.
3: Welcome to
0: Soccer Morning. Here's your host, Jason Davis. All right, we're
1: back on a Monday edition of Soccer Morning. Me and Chuck Blazer hanging out uh, here in the brand new Soccer Morning studios, which basically is just my house. If you were wondering, like, why did you change the studio, Jason? Why did you move from the old place to whatever this place is? It's because that place was an whatever. It was an expense I didn't need, essentially. I would love to have kept that place, but yeah. It's the realities of doing this thing that we do. All right, phone lines are open, 646-832-3909. If it's a question of have the dedicated office space, the studio that I go to every morning, and keeping the show on the air, I think that's a pretty easy easy choice, right? Okay, all right. So we got all of this MLS action. We do have the U.S. Men's National Team roster, which I think is going to take some precedence here. The question of whether or not Jurgen Klinsmann is doing the U23 team, the Olympic team, dirty is, is open. I mean, Yedlin and Brooks should be in the U23 team, yes or no. That's the question for you. Look, again, I think that it's clear that Jurgen Klinsmann has a responsibility to get his team qualified for the World Cup. And that takes precedence over everything. That's, that's his job. His job is qualify for the World Cup, go to the World Cup, do something at the World Cup. I mean, it's up to him and Galati to figure out exactly where the bar is, but he has to balance that out against the other opportunities that that face the U.S. national team program. And and considering what happened in 2012, and the way that that team failed spectacularly on American soil to qualify for for the Olympics, this is this should be everything. I mean, you should give. Andy Herzog, every resource possible, okay? And, and if we're talking about John Brooks being a ver- uh, on the verge of being a, a regular, uh, confirmed first 11 player for the United States men's national team, Andy's U23 eligible, send him to the U23 team against Colombia. I mean, it's not like they're playing Guatemala in the U23s in the, in the Olympic qualifying playoffs. They're playing Colombia. I think you send their best players. Bill. Up, up up in New York. What's up, man? How you doing?
4: How's it going, Jason? Yeah, the, the whole uh, Olympics. I'm with you on that. I, I'd rather see us really put our money in these next two games for the Olympics. Because what, what Bill? Bill,
1: what is this? What What does this player selection tell you? It tells you that Klinsman's worried about Guatemala. Am I? Am, am I supposed to not react to
4: that? I feel the same way. Yeah, we looked at that also. We're like, we should win these games. The Olympic qualifying, we probably shouldn't win unless we have our best team.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What else do you got for me, Bill?
4: Yeah. I, I want to talk a little about MLS. Oh, and, uh, uh, of course, I got to talk about Red Bulls. So I, I wanted the Toronto game. And I know people were up in arms about the Brad Davis thing. To me, I was so happy when that happened that Toronto got burnt trying for a 0-0 draw and losing that way. They, Chris, I mean, I'm hearing people say they had a lot of chances. They had a lot of chances once they went down one nothing. Mm-hmm. But for the most part of that game, with the great offensive talent that Toronto has, they were just playing for a zero-zero draw. And I'm glad they got burnt. And I'm glad they lost one nothing. Oh, okay.
1: I mean, I have to go back and look at the seg- the, the the segments. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch all of that game. I, I saw. Look. I saw the play, I saw Davis's goal. It's it's a it's one hundred percent a foul. I don't you know, I, I think the TFC has a has a beef. So um and, and maybe, you know, I don't know. At the same time, maybe it's good that Brad Davis um gets his uh his account open with Sporting Kansas City. Came on as a as a substitute in that game, right? Yeah.
4: Yes, you yeah. did, yeah. yeah. And that was one of those games that we were watching and like that was gonna be a great game. Sporting in Toronto. Two great teams. And then Toronto just they sat back and they were the entire game until they went down. They yeah. were trying for zero, zero, and they got burned. Yeah. And you and, know what? You know, uh, that's what uh,
1: happens. Tre- tre- Trevor brings up a good point. If you're sporting Kansas City, okay. He, he, he commits to foul, but now he's in the box. Okay. He's, it's not as though he's going to rip a, a, a right footed shot far post, right? This is not, that's not what Brad Davis is going to do. You allow him to cut back on his left foot. And pick the far post out with his left foot. What is wrong with you? What are you doing? Come on, this is. A, That's it. They deserve it. He doesn't have a right foot. I mean, this is. <laughs> by the way, I don't know that you think that people remember where Brad Davis started his MLS career, Bill.
4: Oh Jesus, you're gonna, you're gonna tell me? Uh,
1: if you, you, it, if, you should know. You should know where Brad Davis. I don't. Started his MLS career. Oh, so he's a Red Bull. He, he was a Metro. He was a Metro star in 2002. I
4: didn't know that. Didn't know that. I didn't know that.
1: There you go. Well, now you know. know Bill. You learned. You learned something today. What else you got for me? Anything?
4: Nothing.
1: Yeah. Nothing. 42. Oh, you want? You're, well, your um, your boys. Go ahead. Talk about your boys. They're
4: uh, they got a tough march. Is really going to have to earn his money now this year. With these two injuries, with Bob and, Verone, and it looks like both of them are going to be out for a long time now. After this, do you
1: do you think that and, do you think that uh, that this is uh, you know as Charlie sort of alluded to that this is the league figuring out what the Red Bulls do?
4: I, I think so too. Without a doubt, they figure this out. Even that game, I mean, we're facing our whole season now on Varone, Like, he's the savior of our team. A guy who barely played for us last year is now the savior of the team. That we're bringing everybody back and everybody's telling how great it is that we have all our players coming back and now this guy's supposed to save us because teams have figured us out. You know, they they know how we're playing and they're all ready for us and we're not going to surprise anybody this year the way we did last year. You know, and like I said once before, he's... He got very lucky last year. Everything he touched turned to gold. You know, nobody thought Grella was gonna be this great player last year. Nobody thought Miyazka was gonna come in and be this great defender. Well, and it you know, all but, worked okay, out for him. And you, now he's gotta earn his pay this year. Okay,
1: he's gonna earn something this year. He's gotta figure out a way to navigate the MLS season without that, that trick, you know, it's not a trick, but without that particular tool being as effective and and we're talking about the high press and the way that they beat teams last year, but I don't know about luck. I mean, give give Marsh and Ali Curtis as well some credit for, you know, for for putting their faith for for finding Grella and signing Grella and giving him an opportunity and putting him in the lineup. I mean, Marsh didn't have to start Mike Grella. Are you kidding me?
4: Well, I uh, I don't um, try to remember now. He didn't start last year. You know, he was one of these guys that he just kind of fell into it. He, he came in as a sub a few times, and all of a sudden he had a couple of goals and played great. So it wasn't like they started the season off and said, Oh, we found this guy. This guy's great. He's going to be our guy on the side. And he's going to play for us every game. He wasn't. He just had to come into games, and he lit it up earlier on for us. And the, Like I said, I think every everything he, I mean, he turned to gold. And I think this year now he's going to have to do a little bit more work and try to get this team going.
1: Are you worried? I mean, 4-3 is, is, is not the best way to, to win a match, but you won a match. Are you okay, are or you, are you worried?
4: Oh, I'm worried. Okay. Yeah, I'm worried. I, I, our defense is horrible. They, they were a mess. You know, I, I, I'm real worried. And I, I, I don't know now. I don't know who's going to be our central defense our uh, next game. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think the, hopefully we get lucky again. There's it, it a, a new player, Zach um, Carroll. That they keep talking about, who hasn't even dressed, I don't think, for any of our games. That they say now may come in as central defense, and hopefully he turns out to be a Miazga for us. Hmm.
1: All right, well, Bill, I, I mean, uh, defending support of Shield winners—you um, know, a, a team that returned most of their core, but as you said, no Miazga now. Now uh, you, you've lost uh, buys uh, to injury. There, there are some hurdles here. We'll see if the Rebels can uh, can navigate them. Appreciate the comment. Thanks, Jason. There goes Bill up in New York. 646-832-3909. Going back to the issue of the Olympics versus the U.S. senior team, our, our man Vince in Toronto, who we haven't heard from in forever. Vince, did your schedule change or something? Klinsman could have used these games against a beatable Guatemala to try out guys like Viafania. Lack of trust evident. Yeah. I mean, I, you could, you could take it to that extreme if you want. I mean, you, you could take it to, well, he doesn't trust his team. But then again, this might just be, Jurgen Klinsmann not trusting the program, which means he he it's a lack of trust in himself it's a it's a recognition that they haven't been very good um you know for the last what uh, six eight ten months i mean this is not a team that has a lot of built up credit where you can say ah oh, it's it's easy, peasy Guatemala's no problem i mean that's that's sort of where we are right now uh, with the u s men's national team. Yeah, all right. Let's go to uh, Mark Fishkin, who's on the line. Hi, Mr. Fishkin. Are you, are you gonna are you gonna follow up Bill with some thoughts about your team? Mr. Fishkin is my dad. Okay, um, come on. I don't mean it. So, I don't mean it like you're old, Mark. I mean it like I respect you. You're a you're a respectable guy. Oh, that's
0: guy. very you're very kind. So you no, go. I I mean uh, I, I did not intend to make your call in segment uh, all Red Bulls all the time. Um, I will agree with Bill that, uh, there was, there was a whole lot of, uh, atrocious defending in that match. Not just the two, uh, whiffs that the Red Bulls made, but Demarcus Beasley also for New York's first goal mm-hmm. had a swing and a miss in his box facing his goal that was, uh, terrifying. Um, and, yeah, there was a PK that could have been called a clear handball in the box earlier in that match that certainly could have set, uh, the game, uh, in a different Orbit, but nevertheless, uh, certainly happy with the first win of the season. Yes, that was uh, wild and wacky, and perhaps they, uh, at, at the end of the day, losing three guys to Hamstring's Will be uh, more impactful on the team than actually picking up three points yeah. in in a single match, but uh, yeah, a little do, scary. Do you, do we you put can talk about the U.S.
1: Okay, well, real quick before you move on to the U.S., and I definitely want to get your thoughts there. Do you do you put any stock in what Charlie said about perhaps some overtraining after starting off the season poorly, and maybe Jesse pushing these guys a little too much?
0: Yeah, I I I, I think that is a very very plausible explanation as to why. I mean, I don't recall ever in a professional match, three in, a, and I've seen a few, my friend, three players going down with hamstring injuries in one 90 minute match on one team. Yeah. I've never seen that before ever. And, um, I know that coming off of two straight losses, not having scored, the pressure that now is on the team, and as much as I think the team is very, very comfortable saying, "No, it's early. It's all good." They, they really needed, if not win, they needed to score goals and score goals in a big way on on Saturday night. Okay. So I think it's plausible.
1: All right. Um, uh, do you want to talk about the national team? Absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, I
0: th- I agree that calling it Fabian Johnson is really strange if he's injured um i don't know we're, we're in this world with Klinsman, where i think all u.s fans are kind of expecting an epic meh for the rest of his tenure um obviously they need at least four points uh, during this series with guatemala and it's, uh, can we just talk about how strange it is just the way that the schedule had worked out yes. for this this cycle. Why? Why, yeah, why did they do that? Why did they do that? Because I don't know. Yeah. So weird. Sorry. Go ahead. It's so weird, weird, right? You're in a, you're in a three team group, but you're going to play the same team twice in the middle. and, and That makes no sense to me. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I mean, the players selected. Sure. I I'm, I I would love to see, and I know it's probably not going to happen, given the kind of. Um, the, the, uh, talent in front of him with their pedigree, but I'd love to see Bobby Wood start one of these matches. Okay. Uh, just because he, he is, uh, on such fire for, for Union Berlin right now. Um, I'm hoping we see the return of good Omar Gonzalez to the back line. Looking at the, the, at the list right now, I mean, you know, maybe Gonzalez and Brooks. I don't really know, uh, who lines up in the center of that defense to start. Um, Ventura Alvarado, again, is Klinsman's pet project, who has looked anywhere between extremely bad to mediocre during his tenure with the national team. And then in the midfield, it's Michael Bradley and uh, I guess a, a collection of decent players, healthy players, that we put around him. Ethan Finley, I mean, Columbus is having some major challenges right now early in the season. Really major. As much as we you know, I'm talking about the rebels having a challenge I don't know what's going on. They're having a hangover for hosting MLS Cup. I don't know what the story is there. Mm. Um, so for me, Finley, while a quality player certainly his team is not in any sort of form. Um, I don't know. I mean I, where I am with Klinsman in March of 2016 is God, I just hope this isn't a cycle where we don't get there. Because we all know it's going to happen at some point in our lives, and do we
1: do we know that? Do we do we? Know? Okay, sorry, Mark. I, I I don't want to think about it. You're you're probably right. I don't want to think
0: about it. Well, I mean, if if the great nations of Europe can have cycles where they don't make it, sure, then sure. then why not us? The difference, the the state is, of the team
1: right now, and the difference is that you know. Uh, the English and the Dutch and uh, some of the other countries—they have to deal with the Frances and Germany's and Italy's and Spains and uh, even the smaller countries. I mean, Slovenia made a World Cup last time around, so uh, or in 2010, yep. 2010, they made a World Cup. Anyway, um, you know, I- if Iceland's making World Cups, I mean, that says something. Um, all right, so so it it you're right though. The 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 level of expectations is so low right now. Um, that is, I I don't know. Like it's it's is it, it sucked all the fun out of it for you? I mean I don't know how excited. I mean, look, it's Guatemala. That's that's definitely a factor here. But normally I'd be more worked up for national team games.
0: I think the lack of enthusiasm in general for everything from the new crest to the new kits to uh, uh, the notion that we're in talent trough to Klinsmann's feelings about the domestic league to fewer guys playing quality minutes in Europe. Um, yeah, I mean, I am, my enthusiasm is dulled and I'm really upset about that, but I also realize that until, um, Klinsman is gone from the team uh this is just kind of what it's going to be and hope we make it. I'm not expecting much out of the summer and maybe they'll surprise. And that would be a pleasant surprise. I'm going to be at uh, Santa Clara for the Columbia match, okay. uh, which I'm really jacked about but I'm not expecting any sort of quality performance. Yes, we should be Costa Rica at home. Yes, we should, could be Paraguay at home. We should be Paraguay. But, um, yeah, I, yeah. That's it's, the game it's, That's
1: the game I'll be at. I mean, I think I'll be at that game in, in Philadelphia. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it is. It, 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 and it's not just, I mean, I think it's easy, and it's always been true. And, Mark, i got to run because i got other people here. But yeah, um, yep, yep. it's always been true that there have been, People think the sky is always falling and the national team is always going to do terribly. And, you know, those people are just always part of our, our, our national conversation. But there have always also been to, to balance those people out. People that, oh no, they, they've got, oh, they've got some talent and they've got some potential. And if they, everything goes right, then this is a team that could surprise everybody. And I, I think those people are the ones that have sort of receded into the background or, or stopped talking that way. And that's, that's kind of sad.
0: It is kind of sad. And I know you have to go because. There's never been more eyes on the team, Yeah. right? Yeah. Because in a world where this gets bigger every season, every year, every cycle, to have this kind of detached ambivalence about the national team is a crying shame. Yeah.
1: There you go. Mark Fishkin, thank you very much for the time, Mark. Mark Fishkin from Seeing Red, which you can find on Backhill.com, some pretty excellent uh, Red Bulls coverage over there. Let's go to Daniel in Alabama, who's been patient with me. Hey, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? Going well, sir. What's uh What's happening?
3: Um, well, first off, what our last caller we was just talking about, about, you know, the unfortunate truth that the USA men's national team might not qualify for a World Cup in our lifetime. I mean, just look how close Mexico came last year, this is true their last World Cup cycle. This is true. I no, mean, no,
1: it, it's possible. I just don't like to think about it because then I get scurred.
3: Yeah, well, I don't think any of us like to think about it, but, um, to the roster selection, like I'm no, I'm no Klinsman fan. I'm a pretty pretty vocal advocate for making a coaching change but um and I think that Bob Bradley was an immensely better coaching Cleansman. I think he's shown that in his stops after the U.S. national team with Egypt and uh stop back and where he is now but uh calling up an injured outdoor that just I mean it makes zero sense to me we have Clint Dempsey, Wondolowski, and Bobby Wood and Zardes here are our other forward options so You know, obviously we have the guys that can play there and they have experience with the team. They'll probably be the ones we see against Guatemala. But then we've got guys like, you know, CJ Sapong, Charlie Davies, Will Bruin, who has three goals and two assists through three games and he's playing great. And these are guys that we don't know what they can give us going forward and we haven't really given them a good book. I know January camp's usually the time for that, but when you have injured players, Another one that comes to mind, Sebastian legit. Everybody's been calling for him for a while just to get a look in camp and see what he can offer. we got Fabian Johnson as a left winger. Yeah. who's pulled up injured over the weekend. So once again, prime time to take a look at these kind of players and he's just baffling, bafflingly, like not, not doing that. He's not even giving him a look. Um, Jorge Villafania is another one you talked about at left back. I do like Edgar Castillo being back in camp. Um, Eric Lahai, he's still on his. Never gonna get a look. Never gonna look. That's yeah, never gonna boy, happen again. Yeah, yeah. And then our defenders. Um, so you have to think that Brooks and Bezler are our two top choices at left center back, and Cameron and Omar Gonzalez are our two top choices at right center back. But then you've got Steve Birnbaum, Ventura Alvarado, mm-hmm. Michael Roscoe, all center backs. Mm-hmm. So we've got. Seven center backs out of our nine defenders, and then we have Yedlin and Edgar Castillo. I mean, yeah. why do we have seven center
1: backs? I don't backs? know. I don't know. And it's not like I'm calling for Timmy Chandler to get a look. Um, and it's not like I want Fabian Johnson, if he was healthy, to play right back. I think he's better in the midfield. But yeah, you have to wonder why it's like that. There's such a plethora of center backs. Um, interesting point here by Gringo Mark that maybe Brooks and Yedlin are with the senior team because they are not, their teams wouldn't be required to release them for the U 23s, which I hadn't considered but if it's an international break, if an international window, I'm not sure why Sunderland uh or Hertha Berlin would have a problem with releasing either of those players. So, uh just something to consider. Daniel, I got to run. Appreciate the call, man. Thank you. All right, there goes uh Daniel down in Bama. We'll go up uh to Canada. Vince in Toronto, I put the call out. He answered the bat signal. Hey, Jim. Hey, Vince. How are you?
5: I'm doing well, Jason. How are you?
1: Uh, you know, I didn't give you a chance to do your your patented greeting, but that's okay. What's going on, man? Uh,
5: nothing. You know, just you know, you 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 called me out, and you know, I, I had to I had to finally <laughs> respond. Uh, I, I had you know, I've been I've been uh, you know, life gets in the way, Jason, and oh, I catch no. the show when I can.
1: <laughs> I know, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you, um, man. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear from you. What what's uh, what's on the top of Vince's uh, Vince from Toronto's mind these days?
5: You know, um, I, I was very interested in what, you know, an, an earlier caller said about Toronto FC, you know, uh getting what they deserved for playing with, with the draw. I, I'm not sure he was watching the same game that I was watching. Um but I, I'd argue that Toronto did, you know, did, did go out and try to and, and, and try to do something, especially in the second half. Uh before that terrible red card, but um you know, Jason, this is another case that we see a lot in MLS where, you know, the referee becomes the story of the game. Uh, with that Brad Davis foul, as you, you, were, you were talking with, with, with Charlie Bohm earlier about, um, uh, Toronto's a very weird cat right now because Josie hasn't been playing because of his, his, you know, his soft tissue injury. So you've had Jovinko up top, and we've been playing Endo on one side, uh, who's, you know, who's who's, who's really green, you, you you could argue, because, you know, he just out he just of the NCAA... Uh you still learning and then we have uh I believe Dan Lovitz who who's uh essentially you know your your average MLS player. Um and it's worked. Uh you know the formations worked and then people are wondering how does Josie figure in because last year Jovinko and Josie would play up top together, but the way the formation worked in the four four two diamond, there weren't any wingers. And it's obvious that Vanny this season wants wingers to to, to play. Um and, you know, sporting was, I'd argue sporting was very well prepared for this. They knew Jovinko would be a problem, so they had, you know, they had Beesler, uh, and the, the, the Brazilian guy, I can't remember his name, you know, something, uh, and then you had, you know, the fullbacks in Chance Myers and, and, uh, Ali Dia, I believe, Um uh, making sure that, you know, nothing nothing was going to be happening, right? And then they essentially stranded on an island for, for long periods of the game because they did not want uh to, to be able to, you know, create any sort of pressure. Uh, and then I'd argue they got lucky on, you know, that Brad Davis uh, goal where, where, yeah, they shouldn't have let him cut onto his left foot, but, you know, you can argue play to the whistle – but, you know, he, he stepped on moral and, you know, they got the goal and, and unfortunately Toronto wasn't able to, to, to get back into the game or they tried, but they weren't able to score.
1: Yeah. All right, Vince. I mean, uh, you know, uh, again, eight games, uh, eight game road, road trip to start the season. Um, you know, you, you get a, a, a win and a draw and, and you're starting to, you know, it's not like, it's not like they're going to be upset about that, that point total through what, I mean, what, what, what do, you, what do you think is the target? What does Toronto need to get? Out of eight games, in order to feel good about their chances to make the playoffs, like, again with a back with a backloaded home schedule,
5: uh, I believe what like what I've seen all the Toronto media say is four points. That's that's that would be a success uh, because of all the travel and and everything. Right, we already have you know national team call ups for uh, Michael Bra- for Michael Bradley, Will Johnson for Canada, and you know Josie Altador, who is, who I'd argue uh, is it fit. And you know I worry about Josie Jason just because. Like these, 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 you know, these hamstring problems really began, I, I'd argue, when the World Cup came around. Um, and then, you know, those are those questions of, of Clinton's training methods. Did he do something to, uh, to, you know, make Josie like this? And this has been a problem he's been dealing with uh, regularly for Toronto to the point where some people are saying he's not really worth the money if he's gonna score, you know, 10 goals a season but only play, you know, uh, yeah. 20 to 21 games, mm-hmm. uh, um, especially with Jovinko, who even without Altidore has been, you know, he Jovinco, right? So um it's a very complicated issue. I imagine, you know, Greg Vanney and, and, you know, the brass there aren't exactly thrilled with, with Klinsman and, and, you know, uh, you know, using Josie, especially for, for, for a game like this, right, against Guatemala, but, you know, Josie's one of the cornerstones of the national team, uh, so unfortunately he has to go, Um but, yeah, you know, that, that, that is a question. You know, is he going to be able to stay healthy this entire season? And, and some fans don't even care, really. Well, because they'll just at, say, you know, we have, we have Sebastian Jovinko, uh, so we don't need Josie outdoor. Al- well, that's ridiculous. That we do. that's ridiculous. That's um, ridiculous. come on. But, yeah, you know, it yeah. is what it is.
1: Uh, Josie outdoor, uh, yeah, I think his hamstring injuries predate the World Cup in 20, uh, in 2014, uh, Vince, to be fair. But I, I, I do get your point. Um, the other thing I, I'll say about, uh, Toronto is, is, the call ups are coming. You just hope that these players don't come out injured because there's no they, they don't play again until April second. So you're you're not going to have Bradley or Altidore missing uh, any Toronto FC games. No, that's true.
5: And Michael Bradley doesn't get injured, so you know I'm, I'm, I'm never really worried <laughs> well, about that. He, uh, he, but
1: he does. He just plays through it, like he did with the foot injury. As he when he signed for Toronto, he had to have the uh the the surgery. I think he was completely. I think he was playing the entire time that he had this. Because uh, we, we came out of twenty fourteen saying what was wrong with with Michael Bradley at the World Cup, then he signs with Toronto, and then it's yeah. Anyway, go ahead.
5: No, no, no that's true. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but just Josie is a big worry, I suppose, Jason Burr, for for both of us for Toronto and for the national team. You worry that he will be able to stay healthy. And um, I mean, you know, Josie will always have his haters, but at the end of the day, the guy's like what fourth or fifth on on the all time scoring list for the U.S. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's he's a trusted name for Clinton. Um and he just came back. So I hope Clinsman, you know you know, they'll take a look at him in training and see how he's doing. but do not I d I don't I don't feel like Josie has ninety minutes in him, especially if he's gonna uh, you know, in guatemala I believe you know they play in Guatemala, uh the pitch there and you know the conditions there, I don't think I don't think that's a place necessarily you wanna, you know, take that risk with Josie for ninety minutes.
1: That's a good point. <laughs> that's a really good point, Vince. Uh, we'll see what happens. Again, the uh, uh the, the schedule with uh, the United States playing Guatemala Twenty fifth, um, there in Guatemala, and then the twenty ninth coming back and playing in the U.S. at Columbus Crew Stadium. So we'll see. Uh, thanks for the call, Vince. Appreciate you checking in, man. Good to hear from you. Uh, no
5: worries, Jason. Just just one more thing. Um, I'm full on the Yarborough start for the U.S. bandwagon. He's the only one playing regularly, I'd say. And um, I hope you guys preview it with Mexico and Canada because that that's uh that that's a big deal up here. And, uh, you know, I'm losing my mind. Everybody's losing their minds. And, you know, the Mexicans are, you know, they're the Mexicans. They're always excited. Yeah. So, All right.
1: Well, well yeah, that, that uh, game, that game is on the 25th as well. What Friday? It's on Friday at BC Place. I, I definitely want to talk about that game, uh, from both, uh, both perspectives. Maybe at some point this week we get, uh, we get somebody from up in, uh, Canada on the phone and then, um, you know, one of our Mexico boys will join us as well. Appreciate the call, Vince.
2: No problem, Jason. Uh, Take guess.
1: care. Yep. Uh, thanks a lot, Vincent. Toronto. Yeah. All right, that's going to do it for a Monday edition of Soccer Morning on Um Again, thanks to Charlie Bohm for his appearance today. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Soccer Morning. Uh, anything else that I need to tell the people? I think that's probably a good... Uh, a good place to start for the week. We have uh, we made, we move studios. I'm gonna get used to it. I promise. It's I think it was a relatively good show considering that I com- I'm completely uncomfortable. You mess with my routine and I get I get kind of weirded out. But anyway, we're here. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll talk more soccer. That's what we do. Backheel.com. See you later. Bye.